listening to that song, you know, it's like in the first part, the person that wrote it was like, you know, without you, without, and then it's kind of like towards the end he realizes, hey, not for a minute was I forsaken. So you are with me. And the Lord is in this place. He's in this, this in, in us. And we have to realize that and we speak that out. You know, it's, it's awesome to know that we serve such a great God, such an awesome God, that there's nothing like, I mean, when I say nothing, I mean nothing that he didn't think about for us. He's provided us with everything. He's an awesome father. Today is Father's Day and we will bless, want to bless all the fathers and we will at the end. We'll be doing a special prayer for them. And, and you know, I, I think about our Heavenly Father, who's such an example, who gives us everything we need according to what his riches and glory not according to us or according to what we think or don't think but according to him so father we thank you this morning for your blessings on us we thank you for your anointing and your power we thank you for your word this morning lord that it would be every word spoken would be what you would have to speak lord and i thank you and praise you for that and all your blessings in jesus name amen hallelujah you may be seated this morning. You know, you um, sometimes think like on Father's Day and Mother's Day, you ought to do a Father's Day and a Mother's Day sermon. And, you know, I was coming up with this and I was like, well, that's really not Father's Day. Then I got thinking about it. Who but the fathers <laughs> should be defending the faith? Who but us fathers should be make sure we're defending the faith? Because God has given us that authority in the lives of our families. So we have to be the ones that defend the faith. And, you know, I was, I, I was want to say thank you, Robert, for this. If anybody saw the, is it up there? Yeah. I love that. I couldn't find anything like that. You know, I go through and I'll send him a little photograph of something I found, and he'll find something better most of the time. And um, he has a knack for that. Well, that's good. That's what he does. And, but I was just thinking of it, look, I mean, and it just goes along with everything, defending the faith. This is us as fathers, guys. We need to be like this lion. You know, just the sound of the lion scares you. You don't want to go near it because you just heard it, you know, and that's, that's awesome. And we ought to be able to, to, to rout the enemy with just our sound. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we're going to be talking about defend the faith. You could say defend the, the truth of God's word. You could say defend the word of God, all that. But we're defending the faith. And in this day and time, we Christians who know God and know his word, we need to be defending the faith. Because unfortunately, there are a lot who aren't. And we have to make sure we're doing that. So let's turn to Jude, the first chapter, and and I'm going to uh, start in verse 3. The first two verses just more or less a greeting. And, but I want to uh, start in verse 3. It says, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write you about the salvation we all share. So Jude's first inclination was, I just want to, you know, thank God for the salvation and tell you about it. He said, but now I find that I must write about something else. 
urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. So he's saying, you know, I was going to do this on salvation, but from what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, I need to encourage you and urge you to defend the faith because some things are happening that don't need to be happening. And we need to defend the faith. You need to defend the faith. And I want to say this. Defending the faith is not necessarily popular. (laughs) It's not. But we're not, I'm not in a popularity contest. None of us should be. We should just be in, you know, doing what God says to do. So so one of the first things I take out this, and I love that line of, is to speak out. We got to be we got to be willing to speak out against those things that are trying to creep themselves. We'll talk about later into the church, into our lives, into our families. We got to speak out against it. Speak to the enemy. Amen. We got to speak it. And we got to speak it and we got to speak, stand up and speak out for what the word of God says. You know, somebody said, well, you know, you just want to look at you. You're just a. Christian, you're just to this. You, you don't enjoy life. Oh, yes, I do. I enjoy life, but I enjoy it according to God's word and according to what he says. So we can't uh, allow the enemy to take back the progress we have made personally and as a church and as the body of Christ. We can't allow the enemy to steal that from us. And that's what he's out to do, and he will do anything about that. So we have to speak out and speak up. We have to be vocal. You know, there's times when you pray and there's times when you just, you know, pray for things, and, and, but there are times you need to speak out. You need to speak out. Say, no, 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 no. That is not gonna happen on my watch. It's not gonna happen in my house. It's not gonna happen here. And, and, and some people won't like it, but that's just the way it is. In the, in the um, Passion Translation in Jude 1, 3, it says it like this. Dear loved friend, I, was, I fully, was fully intending to write you about our, our amazing salvation we all participate in, but felt the need instead to challenge you to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. I like that, vigorously defend. In other words, don't just defend it, but do it with vigor. Do it with all that you got, right? You know, we see people that they can be excited and vigorous about things, but we need to be vigorous about defending God's word. And it says, and contend for the beliefs. You know, the word contend means to strive or vie in contest or rivalry or against difficulties. So we need to, we're going to, contending means that there are going to be things happening and you're going to have to strive, you're going to have to, to make sure you do everything you can to come against it. For God through the apostles has once for all entrusted these truths to his holy believers. So he has entrusted his word, the truths of his word he's entrusted to us. So you know what I'm saying? We were given these to keep them intact, to keep them as what they are, not to allow them to be changed and moved and, and done the, you know pulled out watered down just take out the good little things that we like and 
mark out the rest of it because we don't like the way it sounds. No, it's all, the word, God's word is God's word. In verse four, he says, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Ungodly people. The, the Greek word there is impious. It means lacking reverence for God. You know, the Amplified says that they came in the side door. And that's kind of an old saying again that came in the side door, not the front door, the back door, but, you know, in the side door. Because front door and back door, especially in old homes, it was like a shotgun and it was straight to the back, straight to the front. But there was a lot of times a side door and you didn't pay much attention to that. So it was easy to sneak in the side door. So it says that these ungodly people came in, snuck themselves in, wormed their ways in, and saying, okay, it's, it's all right, God's grace. They've, they've ruined God's grace. They've tainted God's grace saying that, you know, yeah, God loves you so much, it doesn't matter what you do. That's not true. It's not true. And they did, you know, a lot of times it's done for personal gain. Now, I'm, I'm going to speak at us who are pastors or whatever, for one thing, is that, well, if we just compromise, so, you know, we can fill up the church. Everything will be better. Everybody will love me. Everybody will like me. Um, we'll have more money. I can get paid more. Whatever. That's what Jude's saying, no. No. One translation talks about being profane, showing disregard or contempt for sacred things. So we need to think about what and who we have allowed to creep into the church. What have we allowed to come in perverting the grace of God? Perverting God's grace. Yes, God loves you. He will always love you. He, he loves you inside, but he doesn't love everything that you do. And there are, there are consequences for stepping outside of that. So we need to, to see these things. When we see them coming, we need to stop it right away. We need to make sure it doesn't come into our lives. It doesn't come into our homes. It doesn't come into the church. We need to be aware of it. That's why we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And we can, he, he will check us. Oh, don't know about that. You know, I have people that have called the office or come into the office for wrong reasons. And we had said, nope, not going to do that. Not going to do it. There's another place where we're warned about it in Acts 20, 29, and 30. It says, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Stop right there a minute. Vicious wolves. We all know a little bit about wolves and kind of how they work. And you know, if you... You've seen it on movies. When the wolves come, they build a fire, they do whatever. I was reading about how do you keep wolves away. You know what one of the ways it said? Make loud noises. 
that'll scare them off. Well, if we speak out and make loud noises, it's going to scare them off. I'm going to pull the, the wolves away. They said, well, they talk too much. They, they, you know, they, they're too serious about this thing. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to mess with them. You know, one of the ways they attack, there's a couple of ways they attack, but a couple that I, I, I looked at was by biting the neck or the snout. You know, that's a tender area. Somebody ever grabbed you by the nose? Some mamas used to do that. Or the ears. But biting the neck, cutting off the supply of air, keeping you from being able to talk. If somebody's got you by the neck, you can't say much. That's what wolves do. And we know, we've all heard the Bible talks about a wolf in sheep's clothing. They come in, they look good, they look like a sheep. They talk like a sheep. They act like a sheep, at least for a little while. And, you know, outwardly, they look harmless. And you think they're kind, they got good intentions. But inwardly, they're full of hate, evil, and deceit. They're full of all this stuff. We, that's why we have to be very, very careful. We can't just go by outward appearance. Right? You know, if you, if you were to... Um, you ever been through a drive-thru and you get, the, you get the bag and, you know, you maybe say, well, I'm going to ride down the road a little ways and get the bag. My brother was telling me and my dad were somewhere at Myrtle Beach the other day and they stopped and got some, a couple of sandwiches, barbecue sandwiches, I think it was. And so my dad got his out. My brother said, just leave it. I'll get up the road. He gets up the road. It's nothing but a bun. But the they forgot to put the barbecue in. Well, the outward appearance looked good. He, sm he could smell the other one. He could smell all that. But on the outward appearance, guess what? Wasn't too swift, was it? <laughs> so <laughs> that would be sad, wouldn't it? Happens a lot more now than it used to, seemingly. I've heard other people talk about getting to their destination and half the stuff's not there or the wrong stuff's in there. Then it goes on to say, even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. They want you to go with them. Look, this is what's happening. Let's go. Have you ever seen that happen? Yep. They're drawing a following. They're, they're, no, for no, they're having no good intentions. Verse 5 says, so I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Egypt, the nation of Israel from Egypt. But later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. You have to, we'll talk about that in a minute, remain faithful. In the, in the Passion Translation it says, I need to remind you, even though you are familiar with it all, that the Lord Jesus saved his people out of Egypt but subsequently destroyed those who were guilty of unbelief. Hmm. See, they didn't believe in God was their problem. You know, we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. We need to be faithful to the word, to the word of God. That's why we need to be faithful to defend it, to, to take care of it, to, to, to stop those things. And then we make sure we're not full of unbelief. Well, I don't believe God can do that. I don't believe God. And you know one way that you're it's believing, it's proven that you're believing, is obeying. 
Well, how do you know they're believers? Because they follow the word of God. They follow what God's word says. They don't back off. They don't do these other things. They're following God's word. That's what is the representative of a believer. A believer obeys. If you really believe in something, you're going to do what it says, right? If you really believe in God's word, you're going to do what it says. You know, when you get the directions for something, if you really believe that it'll do what it says it'll do, you're going to read the directions and you're going to follow the directions, right? Because if you just buy, say if you bought um, paint and the directions said, stir, and it, said, add, and it says add this, stir it up and paint it. No, then it'll work right. But if you go and buy it and just take it out and just start painting, then you're going to find out it didn't work because there was an additive missing. There was a step missing. You didn't do what it said to do. And how it said, it's like, kind of like cooking. Just say, well, I'm going to cook a pie, whatever. Put it in the oven and I'm going to turn it on broil and leave it for an hour. Well, guess what's going to happen? Those of you who know a little bit about cooking, <laughs> Somebody's going to come running in the kitchen, the smoke alarm's going to go off, <laughs> and it ain't going to be pretty, and it's not going to smell good, and it's going to be ruined. No, you got to read the directions. Got to read the directions. So believing is obeying. We have to obey. Jude 1, 6 through 10. I'm going to read this whole section to you. I may stop a couple of times and expound, but. And I'll remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of of authority God, the authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. Now, he's talking about angels who, you know, we, a lot of times we think angels, they don't have a choice, but these angels didn't stay within what God had told them to do. They got outside of it. And you can go back and read all what that means. That means they came down, they, they mixed with the people, and all kinds of things happened. It says, God is, but... Because of this, says God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Because they allowed, it says, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and served as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. See, the thing with Sodom and Gomorrah, things can happen to you, but they didn't repent. And guess what? God gave them such an easy out, if you want to put it that way. Got down, if just, you know, Abraham said, give me, you know, if I, if I can find five people and it gets down, then God's like, if there's just one person, just one, I'll spare the whole thing. Guess what? There wasn't any. There weren't, there wasn't that one. There weren't any. So guess what happened? They were destroyed. And it says it's a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at the supernatural beings. They scoff at, at the things of God. They scoff at the angels. They scoff at all this. It's craziness. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. You know, sometimes we're defending the faith, we're speaking out, we need to say, the Lord rebukes you. 
This took place when Micah was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them and they bring about their own destruction. They scoff, they mock, and they curse, and they mock God's word. They mock what it says. And in mocking, not only by saying, but you know, you can mock something by, by doing the opposite, like claiming that you believe God's word, claiming that you know this, but then you doing something else. A lot of times it's like you speak it out in front of people, but you don't do it yourself. So, in, in, so we need to, that's one of the recognizing things. There's things that we can recognize for those who would come in and steal. Jude 11 and 12 says, What sorrow awaits them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother like Balaam. They deceive people for money. And like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals, commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in the autumn that are doubly dead, for they bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. If we go back to, um, says they're following the footsteps of Cain and Korah. But it says they are like dangerous reefs, or one translation says hidden reefs. If you know what a reef is, they're in the ocean. And some of them you can't see. And there are boats or ships that run over these things and it knocks a hole in the boat, basically. And then they start sinking. They got to find a way to get out of it. So these are things that are hidden. These are like, they're like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. Oh, look at here's a cloud, man. That's going to really... Let's, let's join up with this because it's really going to help us, but it's really just an empty cloud. There's no rain in it. There's nothing in it. There's no content. There's nothing there. It's just a bunch of words or it's just a bunch of things or it looks really good, but there's nothing inside of it. It looks great, but there's nothing inside of it. There's nothing there. They're like trees in the autumn that are doubly dead. They bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots. You know what doubly dead is? It's dead dead. In other words, they, there's nothing left. You might think there is, but there's nothing left. You know, what? when it gets dead and doubly dead, you begin to see that there's nothing there because the leaves turn brown. Right? You know, pine trees are green all year, but if you see one that's not green at all, then it's dead. So they're like hidden reefs. They're like things that are hidden. And that's what these things that come in. In the Passion Translation, the first part of verse 12 says, These false teachers are like dangerous hidden reefs at your love feast. Lying in wait to shipwreck the immature. So they go after those who are immature. If we're mature in the Lord and we know God's word and we're versed in God's word, we're not going to be pulled into that. That's why it's important to study. That's why it's important to, to stay in, in fellowship. Right? And it says that they, 
They're like dangerous hidden reefs at your love feast. In other words, they like to come into your fellowship. They like to befriend you. They like to make you feel good about them. They like you to make you feel good, right? They like to make you, oh man, this guy's awesome. This is great. Now, have we all made mistakes like that and find out it was a wolves in sheep's clothing? We've done that. I've done that before. Unfortunately. Thank God it didn't. Finally, you realize it. That's when it, you got to realize it. And you got to not be afraid to, Barney Fife says, nip it in the bud. Are there consequences? Yes. There are consequences that happen. There are things that happen like, oh, man. Oh, well. Here we go again. You know, it's kind of like that thought in your mind. But you got to do it. You can't allow it to stay. You can't allow that thing to be there, right? You got to do it. You have to deal with it. It's like weeds in the garden. You can't allow them to stay there, even though sometimes it's hard to get them out, isn't it? We got a little, two rows, little small rows at my dad's that have okra and squash and cucumbers and a little tomato, what's the Tommy Toe tomatoes or grape tomatoes, whatever you want to call them. And it's just not been, I've not been able to get out there and work it. So yesterday I went, well, there's grass, you know, like this tall with roots to the thing. And I'm down on my hands and knees and pulling out the grass around it. And then I took a tiller. That's no fun either. You know what I'm saying? It's digging down in there deep and I'm pushing it and I'm go, not pushing it, but try, it's trying to pull me. And then it gets stuck down in there and I'm trying and going back and forth. And then my wonderful wife comes a little bit later. She'd been gone somewhere and she brings me some water and she brings me, and then she starts working on some of it I hadn't done while I'm, I finished the tilling part. So it's, it's like one of the things is we need to nip it in the bud fast so the roots don't get so deep. When the roots get deep, you know, you can pull it and if you don't get the root, it comes right back comes right back so you need to get all of the root too I pulled up holly bushes years ago at my house and I tried to get all the roots but that was very very hard and we didn't do it even though I took a tractor and pulled it up root by root and there's still some there and they still try to come up so you got to get to the source and get to the root amen Verse 13 says they are like wild waves of the sea churning up the foam of their shameful deeds See, what happens is there's an undertow, there's, there's a twisting, there's a churning that happens, and it'll surface eventually. And when it does, then you can see it, and you're like, how did I miss that? What a new world. You ever been in the ocean, and it's really, really just looks like it's quiet and gentle, but sometimes there's an undertow that you don't know about? They are like wandering stars doomed forever to blackest darkness. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam prophesied about these people, he said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. Wow, grumblers. 
You know how many people come in, I don't like this, I don't like the way you do this, and why do you do it this way, and why do you clean the bathrooms like this, and why do you have the church set up like you have it set up? Why do you do this? Why? And it's, it's never, you ever been around those? Nothing ever seems right. It's just grumble, grumble, grumble. You know, if you work out in the world at all, you, you realize that a lot. Like when you're trying to do certain things and business stuff, and there's a lot of grumblers out there, right? Nothing, I've worked for people that nothing satisfies. And they're the ones that when you're, while you're doing it, the whole time they're watching every step. And I used to couldn't stand that. So I try not to do that as much as I can when somebody's doing something for me because I know how that feels. And they're complainers. It says they brag about themselves and flatter others for personal gain. You know, that's one of the recognizing things too is that they begin to, talk about well you know what I, I'm so good at this I can do this and I can do that and I you know if you let me come in and do this I'll be able to do it better than you or anybody else and it'll be awesome it'll be great well one thing I've learned in life too is that the ones who brag about themselves who holler the loudest are usually the ones that you better watch out for because they usually can't do a whole lot of anything, right? <laughs> they say they can do this, but when it gets right down to it, I've had people that work for me that said they could do this and do that, and then you leave them by yourself. You say, well, I, well let me show you what, no, I, I can do it, and then you come back and things are in a mess, and you have to redo it. And they flatter others. Oh, man. You're just so good, so great, and so on. But it, the whole time, there's, there's something they're doing because they won't gain for themselves. And if they can creep in, if they can get in, and you, you might think, well, that don't sound like you're defending the faith. Yes. You're defending what's true and what's truth. And unfortunately, in the church today, there's a lot of that, that it's everything but what it ought to be. Amen? Yeah, there are different ways of doing things and as generations change, there's different ways to reach the generations, but the word and the truth cannot be compromised and it doesn't change. It's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So we have to keep that in the right place. So there are grumblers and complainers. Watch out for grumblers and complainers. Don't let them into your... I'm not saying they can't come into the church, but don't let them into the... That or into your life, but don't let them into that place where you be, they begin to speak into you and speak into your life. Verse 17 says, but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told us that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. There will be people that will come in that they have, uh, they will look like a Christian, they will act like a Christian, they will act like they're this and they're that, but when they come in, they, their desires are not godly, their desires are not honest. They just want to see what they can get out of it. They want people to follow them. They want to make themselves feel great and feel good. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They will follow their natural instincts because they don't have God's spirit in them. These are people that really aren't full of God's spirit. They really aren't Christians, but they seem to be. 
And, you know, I think, unfortunately, in this day and time, people have gotten hold of, they've seen things happen. They said, you know, if I can just do this and do that and come in and act like this and act like that, you know, I'll have an easy life and I can do this and I can gain and I can gain and people will accept it. But you, dear friends, must build up each other. This is how you, this is the way you keep strong. Says so you must build up in your most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna stop there. It says you gotta build each other up. In other words, encourage each other in the word. Encourage each other in God's word. Encourage each other. Look, you can be strong in this. You can be strong. You know, there may be places that you need to say, look, this is encouragement, but you need to stay away from that. You need to stay away from that. We need to build each other up. And then it says, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to pray in the Spirit. We need to learn to let God's Spirit pray in and through us. We need to stay strong, not just by reading the Word, but by praying in God's Spirit, allowing the Spirit of God to pray through us and to give us wisdom and to give us strength and to give us guidance. So that we are sensitive to those things. We can hear. We know right off this is not right. You know, some things are obvious, obvious that they are right or wrong. Some things aren't that obvious. Outwardly, you can't see it. But see, there's, there's a thing inside of you called the Holy Spirit. Not a thing, but a person. And that person is our radar. And it's our detector. You know, they have metal detectors. They have all kinds of things now. You know, when you go to dig, you call them and they, they can tell you which is the cable. The cable. They can tell you which is the power. They can tell you what is the water. They can distinguish all those things. What's gas? What's this? Well, we need to have that detector, the Holy Spirit working inside of us to go, well, don't dig right there. Don't do that right there. Don't dig there. Don't dig there. Stay within the, they usually give you a, about a three foot space that it's in here somewhere. There may be better than that now, I don't know. But they used to be, <laughs> Ray's shaking his head, no, they're not. And even sometimes that ain't that good. You dig four feet and you still hit something. So, but at least you kind of know where it's at. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. He's right on, he knows. And then continue on and said, await the mercy and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. We keep ourselves safe in God's love. We keep ourselves safe from all that stuff, right? In God's love because we build each other up and we allow the Spirit of God to pray in and through us. We allow him to speak into our lives. The Holy Spirit is just not a little trinket that, that, that comes along with the word. It, he's, he's a person. There's three persons in the Trinity that we believe, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus said would be with us. He's the one that would lead us and guide us in what? In all truth. So we need to make sure that we are listening. Not listening to ourselves or things out around us, but listening to him and listening to what the Spirit says. And he will only bring you what God says. And I'm not talking about other spirits. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. See, it's just awesome how Jude goes all through this and then he's talking about the judgment of God and then he's talking about mercy. And you must show mercy 
to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution. Hating the sins that contaminate their lives. So we have to show mercy with what? Caution. Show mercy, but don't get pulled into that thing. Don't get pulled into what they're doing. Don't just say, oh, God, it's okay. You just go on and do what you do. God loves you. We don't need, that's what he's saying here. Don't, don't show mercy, but show it with caution. Know what you're doing. Know what you're saying. You be strong. Show mercy with caution. He didn't just say show mercy. He said with caution. Jude, Jude 1, we're in, and we're in verse 24 now. It says, now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with a great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. Wow. God is able to keep us from falling away. And part of that is, like I said, through listening to his Holy Spirit. And he'll bring us with great joy in his glorious presence. Without what? Single fault. There's a song out now called Faultless. When God looks at us through the blood of Jesus Christ, he sees us faultless. It's not within our own selves, but through the Spirit of God, through what God, Jesus, has done for us. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, all majesty, all power, and all authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. So he ends it with mercy, God's grace, God's love. And this is how we stay strong. This is how we stay in. This is how we don't allow those things to creep into our lives, into the church, into the body of Christ. Amen? And we need to keep our eyes open. <clears throat> this is a warning to the church in a lot of ways. It's a warning to us today. It's, it's amazing God's word. It just wasn't relevant for them back then. It was relevant for us right now, today. And I think especially in this day and time, because there's so much out there that can pull us away. I want to read those last two verses in the Passion Translation. It says, now to the one with enough power to prevent you from stumbling into sin and bring you faultless before his glorious presence. The one with enough power. Who is that? That's Almighty God. To prevent you from stumbling into sin. To stand before him with ecstatic delight to the only God, our Savior, through our Lord Jesus Christ, be endless glory and majesty, great power and authority from before the created time now and throughout all the ages of eternity. Don't you want to be able to stand before God with ecstatic delight? I'm so excited. I'm so delighted in what God has for me. I'm ecstatic. I'm happy. I'm filled with him. So, you know, we need to defend the faith. You know, we as fathers need to defend the faith. Mothers, we need to defend the faith. Everybody needs to defend the faith. Keep our eyes open. Keep a watch out. Amen? I want to say, we're going to have, take communion this morning. 
And as, as, we, um, as we do that, we're honoring our Father God and Jesus and Jesus Christ. Because we're thanking God for what Jesus has done for us. Amen? So let's, those of you here, I want you to stand with me as we do this. And we're going to pray. Father, we thank you so much this morning for who you are and your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we thank you, God, that we do this this morning, Lord. We, we, we ask you to just help us look inside ourselves and that we're clean because of Jesus Christ. And just, Father, we just confess to you this morning those things that we need to confess. And Lord, we thank you this morning for Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth and willing, being willing to sacrifice your life for us. Your body, Lord, that, that provides healing, victory in all parts of our lives, Lord, from our brains to our toes. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord Jesus, we do as you commanded the disciples. You said, take this is my body, eat, and every time you do it, do it and remember it. So we remember what you did for us, Lord Jesus, and we thank you. Hallelujah. And Jesus, we thank you for your blood, for your sacrifice of blood on the altar of God that cleanses us forever for our sins. we recognize the sacrifice that you made and we thank you for that and we do as you commanded as you told your disciples this is my blood drink it drink it thank you Father God Lord Jesus I pray this morning Lord that we would rise up and be the army of God you've called us to be Lord that we would be ready to defend the faith we would be ready to stand and say, no, that doesn't need to be here. That doesn't need to come in. No matter what the sacrifice, no matter what it does or doesn't do. May we never be those that would be afraid to speak out because there may be consequences. But we stand for what your word says we stand, Father God. So, Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, for your many blessings. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for those of us, the fathers in our lives, Father God, the fathers in the faith, the father, our forefathers of this country, Lord, what they stood and stood for, Lord, that we not allow things to come in that would take away from that and destroy that. We lift up, I lift up this congregation, those who are listening online and here, I, I lift up our nation, I lift up the church of Jesus Christ. Father, I just pray, God, that you would teach us all to be aware, teach us to hear and to listen. Father, I give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything that you do and everything that you're doing in our midst. Father, I give you praise and glory and honor. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. 
Amen, amen. I would like for all the fathers in the room to come stand up here. And I've asked my wonderful wife, Peggy, to pray for us. So everybody that's a father, just come around the front. We have a gift for you also. And I'm going to come down there and stand with them, sir. So. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. I just lift up these daddies here to you. I just pray, Father God, that you would begin to give them a hunger and a desire for you and your word like never before. And as they are pursuing a deeper relationship with you, Father God, that you would just make them be the better, the best daddies that they can be to their their family, their children. I just pray for those relationships, Father God, with their children, that they would be the best that they can be, and even grown children, Father, that their strained relationships there, Father, that you just begin to heal that as they that as they seek you and, and your will for their life and their family. Father God, we know that in this world that they have just trying to tear the family unit apart and we just come against that with our our fathers here that that they would see it for what it is and like pastor bill was just teaching us to defend the faith father god and to stand up for the, your truth in our families and father that they would be sensitive to their children and and father that you would give them um the right priorities it's hard to to raise a family and do it right no one said that it was easy it'll take hard work but we're willing to do that father god and i just pray that you would give these daddies the wisdom the guidance the strength to do that very thing father i just pray father god as they um, go to work every day to provide for their family, Father, that you would give them favor in their jobs. And Father, that um, when they come home at night and tired, that you just give them the energy to, to, as they seek you and your face, Father God, that it would just go into their families. It would just, the families would be able to um, thrive. And Father God, as our families are thriving, that other people will see that and begin to ask, how do you do this? And that will be the open door for you to be able to say, it's by God and Jesus that helps me do it every day. And I just thank you, Father God, that you just bless these men um, in every way, spiritually, financially, and in good health. We just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fathers, if you stay here a minute, we got a little gift for you. And God bless you. Amen. Have a great afternoon and a good Father's Day. Amen. Thank you.